just as a kind of, I don't know, I wasn't planning on doing this, but then in community group last week, uh, uh, Jamie Ashby read that story, and I thought, well, we'll bring the kids up and let them, uh, uh, Ben House had mentioned to me recently that that would be a, a wise thing to sometimes have a, a special thing for kids, but it, we, uh, after hearing that last week, I thought this would be a really uh, good uh, time to do that and, and think about that. And then this morning as Lanning was reading it, I thought, you know, we do need to always remind ourselves of the prodigal son story. And uh, some of us here are very um, much, we would like last week what we were studying about sexual immorality, uh, we would hate sexual immorality. We would hate it, despise it. We've been affected by it. We think it's horrible. We think it's a plague on our society. We can't stand the external behavior. We hate it. It makes us sick to our stomach to think about it. And we would say that and be very potentially very much uh, quick to, uh, I guess, to say, look at our culture, look at how many areas of sexual sin are rampant before us, and I wish everybody that ever committed any sin like that uh, would just be punished right now. The fire from heaven would fall and consume them. That's some people in this room, if you're honest. And... um, So that would be maybe like the younger brother in the story. You want him consumed. I mean, you can't stand it. You want justice served. The other people in this room might be like the older brother. And this morning, you have anger raging inside of you. You lash out. You are, you want other people to help join you in your lashing out. You cannot stand certain types of people in the church. And you're not living in blatant rebellion. There's just a growing anger inside of you that just shows up sometimes. And you despise people and you just cannot stand in your religion you cannot stand to see one little thing in someone and as soon as you do you want to destroy them you want to assassinate them in the sense of with your tongue you want people to know how horrible the people are around you. Well, what's interesting is, is Colossians will not allow you to get away with either one of those sins and say they're okay. And if you're not careful, you will gather up a little group of people around you that will either say, it's okay we're like sin to run rampant, and that's, you know, we're just kind of free grace kind of thing here. Or you will grab up a bunch of really religious people around you, and they will say exactly what you say, and they will echo it over and over until you're convinced that you're so right and everyone else is so wrong. The story of the prodigal son speaks to both people. 
this message in Colossians does too. Right? Does that make sense? It's easy, again, to sit in your seat and, you're, and to think it doesn't speak to both, but it does. So, that's where we're at. Now, here's what we're going to do. We started chapter 3, we were going to do 5 to 11. We did 5 through 7. Last week, we're going to do 8 through 11 today. And what we want to say is that Paul is trying to help the Colossian Christians mature, and the pathway to that is grounding them in their union with Christ. That is their relationship with Christ. We live from our union, not to our union. That's just an important statement you have to reiterate to yourself. You are living from your union, not to your union. That is, the relationship once established in Christ, it, everything flows from that. Our security, our power to overcome sin, our strength, um, our fight with the flesh, it all comes, it comes like, it's from, it's from our security, not to our security in Christ. It's from our union, not to our union. It is not by my activities that I gain acceptance with Christ or relationship with Christ. It is by his work on my behalf. And so Paul has revealed that Jesus has overcome all the things that we have problems with that we can't overcome. Sin, death, hell, the flesh, demons, God's wrath, all of those things. He says Jesus has overcome all of those things that we Probably, and most of all, God's wrath that most frightens us. He has overcome all of those things and, um, and, and incurred the wrath of God for us so that we can be right with God. So the first part of this book deals with these doctrinal errors. The second part is going to deal with more practical application. We don't want Jesus and anything else. We just want him. We just want him. And so that's where we are, and I think it's important to understand that. What we said last week is... Uh, Paul has to strip out the faulty wiring uh, that has kind of been placed in there. <clears throat> and <clears throat> where that wiring's going, he's going to have to replace that. So he's going to say, listen, you can't make yourself uh, through a bunch of practices, religious practices, you can't make yourself uh, more right with God or more filled with God or more accepted by God or more strengthened by God with all these kind of faulty wiring practices that they've given to you. And if you're not tapping into Christ, the energy to do what you're called to do is just not there. The energy source is, uh, is, is dead and useless, and it will destroy. And it doesn't, whatever energy it might be, it will be energy that brings a curse to you rather than a blessing to you. And so Jesus is both the, uh, I guess you could say, the, the true wiring and the true source of power. And we uh, need to see that. Now, last week what we said was we're dealing with how to deal with sin. Like, how are we going to deal with sin? And we said dealing with sin is like an execution. You're putting it to death. John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. So, and you just know in your life that sin wants to, uh, you might say, get off of death row. It wants a safe place in your heart. Sin promises that it will just take an inch in your life. Sin always wants one more chance. Now listen to me. L listen, listen. If you've messed up, like in a sexually immoral way, 
or if you've messed up by bidding, being bitter and anger towards somebody in your life. Do you see those as equal in your head? If you have messed up and you're bitter and you're angry and you're not forgiving, or if you've messed up in the way where he addressed one issue, Paul could have picked a bunch of others, but the Lord guiding his hand, this are, these are the issues that we see here, but I just think you understand in either case, you might want to forgive yourself more, whatever. Both are sin, and both of those want one more chance. The sin wants one more chance to say, like, I won't mess you up. I won't mess up your life. I won't destroy you. It just wants one more chance. It wants one more date. It wants to send one more message to you. It wants you to listen to, wants to say, I'll listen to your problems one more time. I'll give you some relief one more time. If you'll hold on to your bitterness, it will be a blessing to you. I will help you with the stresses of life. Sin builds your ego. Sin tells you what you want to hear. Not what you need to hear. So he's like, you've got to drag sin out into the parking lot into the driveway and beat it to death. And you will come in all bloody. If you are raging within against someone else, you need to drag that out into the parking lot and beat it to death and leave it there dead. Do not resuscitate it. Do not call 911 on your sin. Does that make sense? And the longer you don't do it, the worse it's going to be. It's killing you. It's killing your relationships. We know that. But here, this is something else you just got to say to yourself. There's nobody in this room that doesn't need to look at some wayward sinner and say, look at him out there trying to beat sin to death. Or look at him today trying to hold on to it. Look at her raging within. And when you see somebody like that, if you sit back and say, they're getting what they deserve. You have taken your eyes off the cross. And you don't see the desperate situation that we're all in. Putting death to sin, like putting sin to death. And then today is like dealing, like the way he presents it, it's like dealing with sin is like changing clothes. Look at verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, math, uh, sorry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. So he says, put these things off. And that verse 9 kind of goes with the next set of verses there. But it's, it's still, you're, you just need to, I think you need to add that in. But anyway, put them all off. Remember in verse 5, the first set of vices or as he points that out, it is important to kind of see that it began with the outward behavior, sexual immorality, and traveled all the way back to idolatry in the heart. 
The second set here begins with the heart and moves out to the action. I think it is sometimes important to say, I can point out the sin of the rebel. It's hard for me to point out the sin of the religious. So the rebel, I can say, sexual immorality, and then we're going to move back into the heart. The religious, we're going to say, hmm, their sin might be a little bit harder to see, so let's just go to the heart initially and come out. But anyway, either way, it's important, I think, to see that. So, beginning in our heart, coming out of our mouth, we understand that. Now, at the heart of these things are relational sins that, again, probably, I don't, it's, it's difficult to uh, fully understand this, but if you read Philippians, I think it's easier to think about it this way. These relational sins that um, are legitimate sins that we have against one another, we see it in marriage, we see it with uh, brothers and sisters, we see it in the workplace, we see it in churches, and uh, as we think about life differently, I think sometimes the battle's even greater. I mean, there are times where someone is in such great rebellion that they are, uh, their anger and all that stuff is just a sign of what's really going on as they're fighting with the Lord, and so they're taking it out on the whole family, uh, they're taking it out on the children, they're taking it out at work, whatever it might be. But I think it's just important to say these things here are relational issues that divide. They're dividing one another. So um, verse 7, if you look back, it says, In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Now, uh, in, in uh, Acts 7.58, there's a, the same terminology as when the guys that were stoning Stephen to death, they laid down their garments, you know, before the feet of, of, of Paul or Saul at the time. They laid down their garments. That's kind of it's saying, take off your garments uh, of your old way, of the way you once walked. Put them all away. Used to, you wore, and the idea would be almost like slave garments. That's what the idea there would be. Old garments like uh, of uh, just dirty and soiled and just a horrendous kind of picture, just a, a sad, like a, a really a sad picture of being enslaved to the taskmaster sin and everything that came with that. You were a slave to sin, but now you're a child of the king. Put on the new clothes. Put on your new clothes. That's, that's the idea. And some, some people would say like in early Christian tradition, and I don't fully understand all of this, but I, I mean as far as, uh, I haven't read like just extensively on it, but they would, you see they would take off the clothes that they had, be baptized, put on white clothes, and it was like a way of, it's moving away from the old life, coming into the new so it was symbolic of them dying to the old way, walk, like turning away from the old path, being baptized, coming out and walking in a new way. The, new, the old life has, has, has died with Christ, and it has been, the new life is you've been raised with Christ. And so you kind of see that. So you're no longer a slave. It's time to start dressing like a son. That, that's a, in, in a fitting way a way that would honor him. But now you must put these all away. Anger, malice, you see all these wrath, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. The anger is the idea of like resentments, maybe, you could say. 
Anger boils up inside of you. Anger is going on inside of you. It is something that kind of grows within. It's like a low-burning flame in your heart. Uh, it doesn't always act out initially. It just might be there. Uh, sometimes you might meet someone and say, uh, well, I just let things build up inside of me. And so then uh, your spouse gets it from you, right? You let it grow and burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. You get shaken up and all of a sudden like you're lashing out. You're like, where did that come from? Well, I don't know. I mean, it surely couldn't have come from my heart, you know? It's like, no, yeah, it, it did. We're going to start from the inside. And what comes out of you is what's inside of you. If you're shaken up, things don't go your way. And so we see that anger, uh, it really, the circumstances of life real, reveal what's residing inside your heart. You keep going here. Um, wrath. Then you might say, oh, I blow up. I'm really good at blowing my top at home. You know, or you might, I don't, hopefully don't say it all the time, but we're saying, like, there's this low burning flame, and all of a sudden, uh, some dust of life with other people, the dirt of being with other people, that it hits that flame, the dirt hits it, and all of a sudden, there's an explosion. Right? And so you explode, and, and that, that happens in our house. Anna's always, no, shit. Uh, no, but a few times a year, it feels like not that many. I don't know what we would say on average. We kind of, we're not really like big about fighting a lot. Like it just hasn't ever been a part of our, I guess, you know, maybe we agree more than some people. I don't know. But there are several times a year that we'll kind of get into it. And I'll usually start it. And uh, then I'll get really fired up and um, lose my temper. And um, it's just not the kids really they're not used to me doing that as much and so then I might blow up and you'll kind of feel the wrath in the room and then at pretty quickly reasonably uh, you know a reasonable amount of time I'll come and say I'm sorry and then she has to decide whether she's gonna you know forgive me and so she's kind of weighing that because I want to be like all good and forgotten which is kind of the way you know things are supposed to work uh, in my mind at least and uh, she might say wait hold on just a second like you're not the one that, you know, was blown up on, right? You know, so anyway, but I do think you understand that. We know anger can grow, and then we'll kind of explode, and then, um, and then hopefully uh, we are repentant when we see that in our life. But we know just, and, and then the other person would, would extend mercy and kindness and forgive. And so we know what that's like in our life at home. We know what that's probably like in yours. And, um, and so we know anger and wrath and those kind of things we're still struggling with. And we almost have to say to ourselves, like, that was the old way of life. We need to put on the new. We've got to put on the new. And we're going to look at the new as we come uh, in the future of this passage. We're going to keep studying and we'll see that. But then malice would be something like, what if it grew from that to malice where you just wanted bad for the other person? You, you really did. You wanted bad for them. You, you want them to um, feel the pain just growing. You want them to really feel that. And so you have this deep anger and wrath, and then you want, uh, you, you want to really, 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 like at the deepest heart of you, kind of want to destroy almost in a way. Uh, and and it's, it's, so there's like a, 
I think that's important. I think we just know that. We know that battle within and what goes on. Now, then it moves on, and then if you want to bring others into it, slander. And that's like kind of almost like, I don't know, like we talked about, like character assassination. Like it's, it's a malicious intent that's just uh, you want to speak ill of them. So you want to say, hey, I wonder if I could gather together uh, if it was one friend that you're really mad at and then, or maybe a person in the church and then you want to get a group of people in the church and you're kind of pulling together that group. And that's hard. I mean, we struggle with that. Um, and there, there's certainly a balance in like when you're trying to figure out like how to deal with somebody or struggle, whatever, that's one. But like if you're trying to like raise up the whole church against someone and destroy, you know, them in some way, like I say, their whole life. You know, there are a lot of gr- cowards today that enjoy using social media in that way. You know, it's like a very normal cultural thing right now to slander people, uh, destroy people on social media. That's like a big deal. And that, that for some people seems to be like an okay thing. It, almost acceptable. Uh, but anyway, so you just kind of keep thinking about that. And so you, you will see that. You'll see that go on and you want to look at that. And so then the last obscene talk, it's just like unacceptable speech, immoral speech. By the way, this is, I don't think this is just like your common cuss word list. You know? Like for some people... I think they think of like they don't use you know a cuss word or whatever that they're like they they never really uh, have used obscene language you know or whatever. Uh, that's not really true. I mean, some of the most frightening people in my life never use cuss words. Really, I mean that's that's the reality. And so you kind of say like, what is that? There's just something about there's just like filth that comes out of their mouth. Being around them makes you sick. Because they're just so destructive to people. Um, and then moving on in verse 9. Uh, so you could see how this could divide people. Couldn't you? Could you see this dividing a church? I mean, have you ever been around somebody you thought, man, if their tongue gets loose around you, like, or if you, you heard me think, man, they really like, have a way of uh, dividing a church. They could split one right down the middle. You ever met anybody like that and thought? Well, anyway, I think we do see that, and we have to think about that and consider that because that's really what happens is there's this division that takes place. Now, why would that happen? That's the other thing you kind of have to Why in the world would that be a big deal? Think about the context of where this church is, and it's with people of all different types and backgrounds. There's all different groups emerging or coming together uh, as a result of Christianity reaching out to all the nations, there's all these different groups of people coming together. Jews and Gentiles, we'll see that here in a minute, but all these groups of people, and so it becomes a struggle. And they're going to struggle with each other for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you keep going, verse 9, do not lie to one another. Again, this is kind of part of the end of the list, the beginning of the other list. It's uh, you, you shouldn't um, undermine people's you know, confidence you want to be someone, there are some times you kind of meet somebody and you think, wow, uh, I can't trust them. And, I, and you almost say like, yeah, you can't trust them. You know, because they're not, they don't even, their ears hear things that don't even exist in a conversation. You ever been around someone like that? You think like, 
do we, are we speaking English here? Like, what I just said and what you said that I just said, what you interpreted me to say, you maybe have been around that before you think like, what, what is that? How do you twist that? How do you twist everything in that way? And so he's saying like, don't do that. That destroys unity. It will destroy it every time. And um, I, I don't know. And, and the hard thing is, is maybe if you grew up around people that twisted, they spun everything, it's hard for you to not spin stuff in your head. You almost need to probably write down exactly what someone said and say, that it, I'm not going to make up something different than what they said. But it's important to understand that because that's a huge issue. Putting off the old self with its practices. So all those anger and that growing hatred and that outburst, and it just keeps building and building and building, and you think like, and, and then before long, someone that is so given over to that, they, they may not hardly be able to recognize the truth themselves. That's a frightening thing. Put off the old self with its practices. Take off those old, dirty, filthy garments Again, for, for the religious person, the filthy garmented person is the, uh, the, um, the, the prostitutes and the Pharisees, I mean, I mean, and the uh, immoral people of the world. Those are the filthy, filthy, filthy. And here you're like, nah, there's other filthy people in there. Some of the filthiest people that you will ever meet are very religious, and they're filthy, right? So, put off those old practices and put on these new practices. Put on the new self. Now, I've got a couple more minutes here. Putting on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. Now, here's the thing. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened there is that they, uh, before they ever sinned, all of their understanding came through their relationship with God. That, that's just, that's what, it, well, that's what it was like. And then when they decided to not listen to God and instead take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happened? They got knowledge. But that knowledge, what they experienced in that knowledge was shame and guilt and ultimately, like, blame. Those things kind of came out of them. And so what you said was, like, they, they were, like, instead of being renewed in the knowledge of the Creator, their, 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 their knowledge now that they have is not in the image of the Creator, but rather, like, in the image of Adam in rebellion. I don't know. It's like, instead of being, the, the image inside of them, I guess you could say, was marred. And you see that on display. And so now this new self, which is a transformation of the nature where we become new in Christ, we're now being renewed after that image, being transformed from within, made new. That's the idea here. So they're moving from the image of these counterfeits to the image of being renewed in the image of Christ. This newfound knowledge is based on that relationship that is now restored. It, it reminds you of Romans 5 where it, by the sin of Adam, like all humanity, faces the, uh, the struggle that comes with that, which one aspect of it is a corrupt nature. 
but now we have experienced this new nature. We're putting on the new man. So he's saying like, you may struggle with some of that old ways, the old clothes, but you put on the new. So stop going back to the filth. God is working in you. God is transforming you. Which is another thing just to understand. Having put on the new self, renewed after the image of the Creator, is something God is working in you. God began a work. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm sure this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So what God has begun in us, he's going to perfect in us. I was reading something uh, a couple of weeks ago where uh, a man was speaking of that. and He's like, nothing, uh, no building that God starts is not finished. He has no projects that are not completed. Some of you today may say, my goodness, like, I feel like I, I, I go through these periods of putting on those old clothes. I want to go back to them. I'm almost like enticed by the smells of filth. I, I want to go to the junkyard. I, I want to go to like the, the waste management site and pick up all those old things. I, I find myself drawn. Those things cry out to me. And they might entice me. And you say, look, put off that. Put on the life of one who has been renewed by God. So, Verse 11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. What's he saying? What was lost in the fall has now been regained. What was lost at Babel, remember the Tower of Babel? What was lost there where the nations were scattered and they were, there was disunity. There's now harmony. They've been restored. There's a new language. It's a gospel language. And so when you look at people from various backgrounds, now, that's not saying we're excusing sin. Nobody's saying that. But when we're looking at people, and we're, we're not excusing sin. Sin is called out as sin. We are actually helping each other in the fight against sin. But at the same time, we uh, are not judging them in a way where you're trying to divide. You're trying to build and you're trying to grow, and you're trying to enhance one another in the faith. So at this point, he says, look, there's, it's not all these things we have in common. We have Christ. We have been renewed. We have been restored. We've been renewed back to uh, the image of our Creator. We're being renewed in the present. We are no longer slaves, but sons. All of us, every background, every ethnicity, every economic place, every group of Educated people and uneducated, all those people are renewed. So, what do we do with all that? I think what we say is this, like when we're looking at these things, we say, hey, fight against sin. Fight against it um, at, at every turn. Destroy it. And also, put it off. So, just both of those images need to come to your mind. Put off those old ways Put on Christ. Live in Him. Walk in the unity that it provides. Experience like the redeeming grace of God. Forgive one another and grow together as His people. Strive to, to maintain unity as you lovingly seek to help one another kill sin 
and walk in holiness. If you don't want that for others, if you're not wanting that, you are not moving towards the things that God is doing. What did God do? The Lord Jesus left heaven. The eternal Son of God left heaven and came to earth. And he, pulled, he, he came and like, he broke all the bonds of slavery and, and he cleaned us up and clothed us in his righteousness. So we as people with one another should strive to do the same. Let's pray. Father, we want to be unified in our fight against the darkness, this present darkness. And we want to live as people who are people of light. In Christ's name, amen.